Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. Are y'all happy to, to be in the house of the Lord today? It's happy just to come and to worship Him. You know, one of the things we pray for, we pray for the worship team as they're preparing because it's such a, a spiritual task, an important task, even as they're, they're, they're bringing their things together. But we also pray for you and pray for God, let us all come in hungry to meet with you, hungry to worship you and to give you the glory and the honor that is due you. We know that when we come to church on Sunday, we're going to get something right? Because God is generous. But I just want to encourage you, when we're coming, we also want to give something. I'm not talking about your money. You can give money. Of course we give money. Like, that's part of generosity. But I'm talking about your heart, like giving our hearts to the Lord. Like, really just saying, God, you are worthy of worship and praise, and I'm here because I love you, and I'm here because I want to grow closer to you. Amen? You're like, he's already preaching. He hasn't even said his line yet. All right, let's get to the message. Are you ready for the Bible? All right, I'm going to read to you out of Ephesians 3, verse 20, and it says this. Now to him who is able, would you say he is able? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we, than, excuse me, more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Y'all, that scripture says, He's able to do more than you think he can do. Come on. He can do immeasurably more than you think, ask for, or imagine. Come on. According to his power, not according to our power, our God is greater than we realize. He is more able than we realize. Amen? Let's take a moment and let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you, God, for your word and for the opportunity, the privilege to come together as a church family to worship you this morning. Uh, Lord, we want to give you the best of our worship, the best of what is in us, Lord God. Thank you for loving us even though we're broken. Thank you for loving us even though we're still under repair. Thank you for loving us the way that you do, and we want to love you back. And right now, Lord, we open up our hearts to hear from you. Thank you for your word that has, has uh, sustenance to us, Lord, it's like a meal for us. Lord, may we digest it with our spirits and may it bring life and strength to us. We trust your word and we trust your Holy Spirit to teach us and lead us in your word. I pray for, Lord, the empowerment of your spirit. God, to share what is in your heart, Lord, that it won't just be an information, but God, there'll be an impartation, God, of, of what your intent is in your word today. We love you. We trust you. We trust your word. And our hearts are open today to receive from you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I, I want to open up this morning with a, uh, a fun story from the Old Testament. Um, it's not a very long story. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 14. And it's a, it's a story where the, the background is that the Philistines had infiltrated the, the nation of Israel. And King Saul, who was the first king of Israel, was preparing the people to fight against the enemy. And he's getting everything situated. And they're realizing they don't have enough weapons. And so they're like sharpening their, their shovels and all kinds of stuff. And while all this is going on, King Saul's son, whose name is Jonathan... 
um, was present and he's there with his armor bearer, who's literally the guy who would carry his armor until it was time to fight. They're there, and, and Jonathan is kind of, he's not only present, but he's ready. And in this uh, story, it starts in 1 Samuel 14. I'll read to you verse 1, and then we're going to jump to verse 4. Verse 1 says, One day Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Verse 4. On each side of the pass that Jonathan inter- intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes and the other was called Senna. One cliff stood the north toward Micmash. That's a pretty cool name, isn't it? Micmash. That'd be just, I don't know, a fun town. We need a Micmash around here. Like, I, don't, I get a little distracted sometimes with the Bible names. They're so hard, but Micmash is a fun one. What? One cliff stood the north toward Michmash and the other towards the south called Geba. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. That was kind of like their way of like talking trash, right? Those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord, y'all. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, come on then. We will cross over toward them and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come down to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be a sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So they both showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes they, they were uh, hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hand and his feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed them behind them. In the first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in the area, about a half an acre. Verse 15, then panic struck the whole army, those in the camp and the field and those in the outpost and the raiding parties, and the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. I told you it's a fun story. Jonathan and his armor bearer go out, and you can, you can like feel it. Like Jonathan's just like, come on, like, let's, just, let's go do something, right? And uh, they come to this Philistine outpost, and they're outnumbered, right? They don't even probably know how much they're outnumbered, and they're in a poor position. They're on the low ground, and the Philistines are in this high ground. And uh, Jonathan consults with his armor bearer, and he says, listen, are you with me? And the armor bearer's like, yeah, Whatever, let's just do, let's do with this, right? And Jonathan suggests, um, all right, let's, let's reveal ourselves to them. Let's show them that we're down here. And uh, this is what we're going to do. If they invite us up, we're going to go, the Lord's given them, let's go up and let's do this. If they say, wait and come down, well, we'll know the Lord hasn't given them to us and we'll skedaddle, right? Um, the Philistines see them and invite them up and they're just like, let's go, right? What I love about this story it's, it's a story about someone who wants to take action, right? Don't you love it when you're around somebody who just, like, wants to take action? Like, you're just like, let, let's, 
Go do something. And Jonathan and his armor bearer are out and they're like, like, let's just go do something about this, right? Um, it's a story about unity because Jonathan and his armor bearer, uh, they were already a team. But I love the fact that Jonathan doesn't just tell his armor bearer because he could, right? I mean, Jonathan is basically like a prince. His dad is the king, right? He can just say, hey, this is what we're going to do. But he's like consulting the armor bearer and it's like, are you in? Are you with me? And the armor bearer is like, I'm in. Let's do this. And it says he's a young armor bearer, right? So you just get this impression that probably like a teenage kid or something like that. And just like, let's go, whatever you say. And uh, his reply, the, I love the armor bearer's reply in 1 Samuel 14, where it says, do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead. I am with you heart and soul. I love that. Don't you love it? when somebody comes alongside of you and they're willing to be with you heart and soul? You know, it's more than just, a, I'll pray for you, brother. But there's, like, you feel it. Like, hey, I am in, in this with you. It's one of the greatest blessings, I think, of text messaging. Because I love that I can text someone and go, I'm praying for you. You know what I'm talking about? Like, because it's different than that face-to-face. You hear about something, oh, I'll pray for you. How many of y'all do that and then you forget to pray? No, you don't have to raise your hands, right? But like, I, I just love that kind of like that, that just signal like, hey, somebody's thinking, you ever get those kind of text messages and you're just like, you just feel like, man, somebody sees me, somebody sees what I'm walking through, somebody is with me, heart and soul. There's something about that kind of coming together that uh, the New Testament talks about as well. Uh, and that's in Matthew 18, 19, it says, Again, truly I tell you, if two of you on earth are agreed about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where there are two or three gathered in my name, there I am with them. How many are in this room? I think he's with us now, yeah. right? The presence of the Lord. Maybe you, you sense that when we were worshiping. It's like, man, when we were worshiping, it didn't just sound like we were singing about somebody far off. It sounds like we were singing to someone who's in the room. That's the presence of the Lord. That's like sensing, oh, God is in this place. And I, I think sometimes when we first experience that, we don't know what emotions to have. Like, should I run? Should I be afraid? Should I feel guilty? Should I feel... But I, I want you to know, you should know and you should feel loved. You should feel loved because he loves you. Should we, you know, have time moments where in, in the God's presence where we repent for our sin? Absolutely. The moments where we have those hard conversations with the Lord? Absolutely. But you need to know when the presence of God there is, his love is there for you. And his presence and his peace are for you. And I, I love that principle in scripture where two or three are gathered. There I am in the midst. I love, I love that. And there's something about this power of agreement. You Two people agree on something. And we're seeing in this Old Testament story I'm, I'm sharing with you this morning, like kind of the early embers of that kind of concept of these two people just going, hey, well, let's go do this thing for the Lord. And let's, let's just see if he, he wants to show up. Like, let's just get together. And I love that attitude of let's do this from the Lord, for the Lord. And, you know, I know God knows everything and his foreknowledge, but I wonder if he just, like, looked down on that and went, you know what, I'm going to bless that. Like, just look at these two guys. Like, they just want to do something. I'm just going to bless those rascals. And I'm just going to, and we're just going to take care of this whole army with these two people in their little skirmish. We're just going to do something great. And Lord's like, all right, you're going to go up, you're going to uh, uh, whip some, t- some tail in here, and, uh, and then 
what are y'all thinking? Um, and then... And then, and then after that, I'm just going to shake the ground a little bit, and they're going to be in a panic. God's just like, I'm going to tip the scale because you two came together because you wanted to do something, and you honored me in the midst. Come on, does, does the Lord want to tip the scale in some things that you're facing today? Put his finger and say, yeah, this ain't a fair fight because the Lord is in this fight with you. One of the things I love about this story is not only their eagerness, but their restraint. And I think it's a really important lesson in this is that they were eager, but they did not presume God was in their plan. Y'all hear that? Eager, but not presuming. And so Jonathan figured out a way and he said, okay, this is how we're going to determine. I just have the faith that if they say this, God's in it. If they say that, God's saying, you better you know, check yourself and just kind of like not, not do that. And the outcome not only did Jonathan and his armor bearer win the, the battle, but God does something against the entire army just because of these two people's faith together. They're walking together in unity and wanting to see God. I, I think that our impacts are our wins as a congregation and as couples and as families and as life groups. I think our wins are greater than we know. I think the impact on the, 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 the dominion of Satan is greater than we know and greater than we see. And that there's such a, something is moved in the heart of God when we come together and say, let's just believe God and see what he wants to do. Amen? Now, I want to take you to a very different story. And there's a reason I'm taking you to this, and it, it, will, it will tie up here in a couple moments. But we're headed into the New Testament, and I want to take you to Mark chapter 6. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus is going to visit his hometown. And this is what it says in verse 1. How many of y'all are in your hometown right now? In your hometown, right? How many of y'all live close to here? Well, it's your hometown now, right? So, um, so I want you to get that kind of hometown, whatever your hometown is, whether you're from Chesterfield or you're living in Goochland or you're, you're in Louisa, wherever you live, like think about, okay, hometown. Jesus comes to his hometown. Are you with me? Jesus left there and went to his hometown. Everybody say hometown. Come on, go, go Bulldogs. Um, accompanied, sorry the Louisa people, um, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What is this wisdom that's been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own, home, own town, among his relatives and in his home. He could not do any miracles there. Y'all, y'all watching this? It says, Jesus, he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. <laughs> that's, that's Jesus on a bad day. Just like, all right, be healed, right? He, this is talking about Jesus. He was amazed at their lack of what? Their lack of faith. 
That word faith, it means to, to believe, to have faith. It also means to, to have trust. So I think of it as this believing trust, like I believe and trust the Lord, right? Here, we have a very, very different story. It's a story with a community with a very different attitude. Now, I, I want to I talk to us like directly. Is that okay? Right? Because we're in our hometown, most of us, right? They, I know we got a couple people out of, out of town, but you can just act like you're, you're in your hometown right now. It's, it's where you're, you are today. The people did not expect any miracles from God. They didn't expect God to do something great. Their lack of faith was not only a lack of faith in Jesus, it was a lack in the faith in in the Father as well. And the reason I say that is because they had a history as, as a nation of God doing miracles through other people throughout the centuries. Like God would do miracles. And, you know, Elisha had a hometown. Elijah had a hometown. Like these people, they had hometowns. Here's Jesus in his hometown, and he's not received. He's rejected. And Jesus is is amazed at their lack of faith in, in, in the whole circumstance. If you will, he's sitting there teaching and preaching in, in their synagogue, right? And they're just, they, they're going, I'm amazed at what I'm hearing, but I can't receive it because I'm too familiar with him. I'm amazed at what's going on in this moment, and I, I can't really reconcile it. And I've heard about the miracles, and, I, I've, and, and I'm hearing this teaching and it all, but they're like, they, they are so bound by, by familiarity that they're just like, I can't accept this other version of what I'm seeing because I feel this need to hold him right back in the familiarity. Like people are going, I changed his diapers. Well, I remember walking him to school. Well, you know, it's like, that can't be. This is Jesus. We know he was a good kid, but come on. Like this, this familiarity that limited the community. It limited them because they felt a need to stay grounded in the natural they knew rather than believing the supernatural God who they were following. Familiarity stood in their way of their ability to believe. In fact, it says in the scripture, they were offended. That'd be like, you know, one of our, our kids comes back and is like, well, you know, they, they went off to school and, you know, they became a, a Harvard person and they, they went and started a, a business like a, you know, like an Amazon or something like that. And they're like, well, you know, it would be like, well, I knew him, you know, like, but I knew, but, you know, I remember when he stole and I remember when he did the, like, that, you know what I'm talking about? That desire, well, I, you know, I'm going to ground them and I'm going to like really, you know, I'm going to keep them honest and that kind of thing. You can feel that relationship to Jesus in that. And, I, and they, they wanted to, they wanted to put Jesus into a box, it's like, he can't know these things. He, I'm hearing this wisdom, but he can't have this wisdom. I mean, he, he can't do these miracles. And who does he think he is? He's the carpenter's son. You've heard that phrase, familiarity breeds contempt, right? Familiarity can breed unbelief. And that's what was happening in this community. It's so clear in this story that more miracles were possible. Do you all see that in the story? Jesus is like, I can't do miracles here. There's such a lack of faith. There's such a, like, like I'm just going to heal a few people and get on. We're like, well, that's pretty cool, Jesus. Um, 
God would have done so much more than what they experienced. And the attitudes of the people put limits on what they experienced. And, and I would say to you that how we perceive God will determine how we receive Him. Did you all hear that? How we perceive Him is how we will receive Him. So I'm going to talk about two things concurrently here or at the same time. I'm going to talk about how we perceive God, but also how we perceive one another. Because both were going on in that, that place in that moment. This means that like, when we come to the house of the Lord, we should expect great things. Come on, right? This is the God of the universe, and this is His house. This ain't Mike's house. This isn't a board's house. This isn't a leadership team's house. This is Jesus' house. He said he would build his church, and we believe that firmly, right? When we are part, we are all part of the bricks. We're all part of the stones of what he is building, all just filling our place in the wall. But this is his house. And I don't know about you, but I think he likes to show up at his house. And he does show up in this house. But what I wonder sometimes is, does our familiarity and our comfortability, it's this tension, right, in, the, in a community. is like you come in and you say, oh, Ann and Earl, so good to see you. What's, you know, we're, we're like catching up with each other and, you know, we're talking about fishing trips and, and having a bite to eat. It's like we love that community aspect and we need it. Amen? So, you know, like our family meal, we have been having a great time at family meal. We just go over there. We have some some pretty, you know, just simple sandwiches. We try to keep it simple so we're, we're not creating something really ornate. Some great sandwiches and chips. And we just sit around after church. We're already talking. Like, let's, let's chew and talk. <laughs> but it's just more connection and more. But let's not allow our connection to breed a familiarity that limits our faith. Right? That's one of the reasons why like, we go to conferences or we go to you know, outside things is we just get a different expectation. It's like, I love youth camp. Our teens go to youth camp, right? And we, go, and we just expect God to do great things. Why? Because he's a great God. It's amazing how when you show up and you expect God to do great things, what does he do? Great things. There's, there is something about our attitude and how we come to him that is reciprocated in what he is doing. We can actually put limits, is what the story that Jesus is saying. We can put limits in our expectation and our familiarity. And what we don't want is we don't want our familiarness to create an unhealthiness. Are we, are we familiar in a way where we no longer perceive him as great and mighty? Are we familiar in a way where we don't expect him to do the impossible? Um, if we are... We just need to repent and change our mind about the matter. Like, and just say, God, forgive us, right? I don't, think we, I don't think it's like this evil in us, like, well, I just I don't want to see God move. I think we're just comfortable, right? We're just, we're just kind of comfortable. One of the things, like, you know, when I'm coming into worship on a Sunday morning is I'm trying to remind myself of, like, God, like, you are worthy of this worship, I love that verse. It says, if we don't praise him, the rocks will cry out and praise him. Like, right, like this kind of thing, like I have this privilege and this duty and no one can give my worship like I can give my worship. No one can give your worship like you can give your worship. No one can give our worship like we can give our worship, right? And it's not that it's a performance. It's a sincere honoring and glory to the one who's do it. 
And that kind of just like expectation. And praise God, we have got a wonderful worship team, don't we? And what I love is they're not up here for a performance. They're up here to worship the Lord, right? And, and that is such a wonderful gift for us. And the greatest thing that we can do for them is just get in the presence of God and just like go for it because he's here. He's present. Like we know that he is with his people and we can worship him. Amen? So how do we allow ourselves as a people to have a good, healthy familiarity with one another, even a good, healthy familiarity with the Lord, healthy familiarity, and not limit our God and not limit one another? Well, it's about what we perceive, right? It's about what we perceive. I want to read to you out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through um, 10. This, these verses in 1 Corinthians 12, they are about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And you all know that when you become born again and follow Jesus, who is it that you receive inside of you? The Holy Spirit. So these gifts that I'm about to read to you, they're already here. Y'all follow me? Because what God does is he likes to use people to do his work. He has the power, he has the authority, he does it, but he likes you to pray and you to lay hands and him to do something great. Y'all follow me? So as I read to you this, the, the scripture, what I want you to grasp from it is I want you to think these gifts are already here. Because our God is already here, his Holy Spirit is already in us, this is already here. Follow me? 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Now to each one, that means all y'all. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. These are gifts that God has given for one another. Hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog. Verse 8. To one, there is given through the Spirit of the message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To enough, give another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To, one, to another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, to another, to another, to another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. Still to another, the interpretation of tongues. Y'all, these are God's gifts in this house. The Holy Spirit is in this house. And God's people are in this house, right? Not just this house, but he is in this house. And these gifts are in this house. And what we, what we don't want is we don't want to see one another like Jesus' hometown. Well, I don't know, that Abigail's kind of getting a little bit big for her britches, you know. She's preaching on a Wednesday night, and tick, but, you know, and she's, uh, she's talking about, you know, casting out demons and praying for the sick. Well, I remember when that girl came, she was six years old. And I remember, and I remember, and I remember. I'm joking with Abigail because she's my daughter and because she grew up here. But I'll tell you what, I go back to my home church. And um, I love my home church, Hope Point out in Chesterfield. Sent Elizabeth and I out here 20 years ago. And what an honor and privilege it was to come out here, right? And they, they sent us out here. I go back, and now, like, all the new people is like, oh, 
I've heard about that couple. Oh, I, you know, and, and it's, it's the legend is always better than the truth, right? But, but there are, as, for every one of those, there's plenty of people who walk around and go, hey, Mikey, you know? <laughs> It's like, like, you don't even walk right anymore. And they're just like, you know, they're kind of like, oh, how you do? I remember when you were an atheist kid. I, didn't I catch you smoking? You know, like, like, they're just like knowing you according to the flesh, knowing you according to the history. I, I want us to know each other according to where we're headed and knowing each other by our death, by our knowledge of who we are in Christ, knowing each other by the fact that you are my brother and sister who have been adopted by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and we are walking into a new identity. We are not stuck in an old one. And our God is still doing miracles. And, you know, I, I repent because I, I feel like, oh God, how do I limit you? How do I limit what you could do and what you want to do? But I want to tell you that part of that key is not uh, just Pastor Mike walking in what God has for him, but it's all of us because we are a body. And actually what Scripture says is that my job is to equip you to do ministry, to do service for God. It's, it's not actually my job to do all the things. And you guys know that. We all know that. But we are the body. Amen? You are not an audience. You are a participant. Even though our chairs look like an audience to maybe an, you know, somebody who doesn't know anybody, really, we are all pointed to the king, right? We are his participants. We are his servants. We, we are here for him. And, and I, I want to challenge us to have an attitude like Jonathan. You get somebody next to you and go, hey, Jeremy, let's go and let's pray for so-and-so. Hey, Brendan, let's, let's go and let's just intercede for someone or let's go talk to, to this person. Like, hey, let's the two of us agree together and let's bring our faith and let's encourage one another. It's like sparks, right? Like, let's just go see what God will do. Because that scripture that I read to you, this is, this is the truth. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. Y'all, even if we were perfect at this, he could do immeasurably more. I know I'm challenging us and it's very important, but there's a stirring that we want among us because he is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that has work in us. Do you see that connection? According to his power that is at work within us. You know, I, I'm talking about this, and, and I have a specific way I'm going to close in, in just a few moments, and I'll have Jacob on the ready to come up in just a minute. Um, but I do want to say, you know, you're hearing this, and, I, and I'm, I'm preaching a message today that is very intentionally for, you know, people who are already following Christ, people who are already all in with Jesus and that kind of thing. Um, but I just want to take a moment before we close in prayer to, to let you know that um, Jesus, if you're not already following Jesus, if you haven't already like given your, your life over to him, um, when I was in worship today, what I felt like the Holy Spirit say for me to share with you is that Jesus has a different path for you. It's a different path. It's not the path that you are on. Most of us in this room 
have come to a place in our life where at some point we just said, this is not working. The path I'm on is not working. And for most of us, I know for me, when I was on that path, I was in control and I was the one leading. And what I realized was being the authority of my own life was overrated and wasn't working. And where my life was actually headed was not good. And I was going to spend an eternity apart from God. Last week, we, we talked about hell, and we actually you know, had a message about hell, like this, this separation from God. But there is a different path. And that path is one where he's the leader and you're the follower. And honestly, if I were to like simple down, make the, 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 the Christian message really simple, it's just that simple. Like when Jesus came to his disciples, he used this beautiful short phrase, come and follow me. And really that's what being a Christian is, is okay, God, like I want you to be the leader instead of me be the leader. And, um, and what's amazing is for us to switch paths, Jesus said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the cross and pay for all of your sin. I'm going to remove your shame, and I'm going to take care of the fact that you are powerless against sin and shame and guilt. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pay all that price from you. And just to show you how powerful God is, after paying that price, God's going to, he was re- resurrected from the dead to show he has power for the life that we have. And we switch from a path of being our own leader to a path where we say, God, you are now my leader and I want to follow you. He won't make you do it, but he's going to keep inviting you because he loves you. The whole purpose of this is not so that he can get minions to control. It's because he has children that he loves. And he loves you. And I'll tell you without a shadow of a doubt, that path that he has for you is good, and he has a good purpose for you because it's his nature. He is a good God. It's not always easy, but he is good. And he has a good plan for you. And I just want to tell you today, if you are on your own path and you have not switched paths, Jesus is inviting you into his path. And what's cool is he doesn't just have a path for you. He has a family for you too. Like there's, there's so much more to it. And I'll tell you, if you're, if you're in that place and you know God is calling you to that, one th- that thing, I want, a lot of times what stands in people's way is they think, I got to be perfect. After this, like everything's got to be perfect. Y'all, there ain't a perfect person in this room. Like, really, like, we're, we're all works in progress. Yes, he's going to give you the power to change and to transform, but it's about your relationship and following him. It's not about, like, okay, I gotta, if I just keep all these rules, he already does love you. He's inviting you into his path. And, yes, it's a different path. And I got to tell you, I switched paths May 5th, 1991, Two. Getting older. I'm getting older. May 5th, 1992. And I got to tell you, I tried atheism. I tried agnostic. I tried everything I could to not be a follower of Jesus. And none of them are anything like truly knowing Jesus and following him. And I want to tell you today, if you, if you need to make that commitment in your heart today, um, I would be so privileged to pray with you. Um, and just to talk with you. And uh, when we close the service, I'll be up front. Just sneak up here and, and just come up and pray. If you're watching online, um, go to victorychristian.church 
it's victorychristian.church, click on I'm new here, and I will reach out to you this week, and, um, and we'll talk, and we'll pray. It is the greatest decision of your life to follow Jesus. It is the most important decision of your life. And like I said, God's not going to make you, but man, does he love you and want you. You don't have to worry about whether or not he wants you. You don't have to worry about if what you've done is too grave and too dark and too terrible. Our God is a great and loving God, and he wants to throw your past into the sea of forgetfulness. He wants to remove your sin as far as the east is from the west, is how the Bible describes it. He is, he is ready to cleanse you. He is ready to set you free. He absolutely loves you. Amen? All right, Jacob, will you come up? And, and I'm going to close uh, coming back to our message today. And um, I, there is this challenge in me for us because, and I, I need, to, I need to, to share it this way. What God can do in our midst is not just about us. Y'all, as a, as a church family, we got it kind of good. We could like throw it in the cruise and just kind of like coast and like take the, 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 the bumps and the turns and things like that. And uh, hey, when it's our turn and our car gets called and we go to heaven, we're like, Jesus, we could do that. But God has more for people around us. It's not just about us. Honestly, it would be very selfish if we just became, you know, the God Does Miracles Club for us. Like that's actually, God's heart is for us, but there are dying people all around us. And he loves them. And so my call for us is let's stir one another up to good works. Let's stir up who is already in us to see God do great things. This isn't about a person. This isn't about an individual. This is about what God wants to do in the midst of his people. May we not be the hometown where Jesus can't do things. That was a really good amen opportunity. I'm going to say that one more time. Let us not be a hometown where Jesus can't do miracles. But let us be a place where God's spirit in us and the stirring of one another, where God can do miracles, does do miracles that reach outside of this place and touches people that we love and touches people that God loves. And that means that stirring has to happen in us. How you perceive him is how you will receive him. He's greater than we realize. And even as we try to understand and to receive how great he is, he's even greater than that. It's a, it's a journey all of our lives. God, you're greater than I already know. Would you stand with me today? Um, our, our, our theme this year has been prayer. And uh, we've been praying in all types of ways. Uh, Jeremy prayed today uh, for our, our foster children program and, and the gifts that we're going to give and for those foster children. Today, uh, I'm going to do a, a couple things here as we're closing. Um, I want, if you're willing, for you to turn to any one person in here today and say, how can I pray for you? And then the other person look and go, how can I pray for you? And just pray. If you're not really good at praying, don't worry about it. Just say something. Or you can say, if you, if you, if you um, 
are not comfortable with it, I'm going to pray for you quietly. Like, we're not going to break all your walls down all at once type of thing. This isn't about um, making you super uncomfortable. This is about stirring up what God can do. Y'all follow me? So what we're going to do is we're just going to, before we leave, just, you know, turn to someone, pray for someone. God may have you pray for several people. You might be in a place where you're like, I really need God to show up, and I just need to go get prayer. I'm going to have our prayer team up here. Some people, you can just come up front and just share with someone on the prayer team, hey, I need prayer for this. I need some intercession for this. And I'm going to invite our prayer team folks to to just come up now. Um, I realize that I'm challenging you, but, you know, I'm not just sharing the word with you so that you can hear something. I'm sharing the word with you so we can do something. Well, that was another opportunity. I'm not just sharing the word so that we can hear something. I'm sharing the word so that we can do something, right? And so we want to be a hometown where Jesus can do a lot of great things. And so that's my my encouragement is... uh, we're just going to have an atmosphere that's worshipful. You find one person, you say, how can I pray for you? Share with them how they can pray for you. But then I want to ask you to do one other thing. When you pray for them, I just want you to believe that God will do something. Just believe it. You don't need massive faith for God to move. All you need is, it says, as small as a mustard seed. God, I believe you can do this for this person. And I pray that you will. Can you do that with me? All right, let's find somebody to pray with. And, and then, um, yeah, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church.